Hello, this is Robert Rickover at Body Learning, and today my guest is Ellen Strafford, who is an Alexander Technique teacher who lives and works in the Greenfield area of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Uh, Ellen has a special interest in something that is generally called the DART procedures, and we're going to talk today about those procedures and how they fit in or complement the Alexander technique. Uh, Ellen, welcome to the show. Hi, thanks for having me. Well, it's a it's a pleasure talking to you. Um, I wonder if you could begin, for our listeners who may not know what the Alexander techni- technique is, just giving a very short description or definition of the technique. Sure. Um, The Alexander Technique is a skill that you learn, and it's a system of physical and postural re-education. So it focuses on making the student aware of their habits and then giving them the tools to change those habits for the better, to give uh, an increased sense of lightness, ease, or efficiency of movement. Okay, and... The the DART procedures. The little I know about them is that they were um, they were originated by I didn't know he was Australian, an Australian mm-hmm. anthropologist, Raymond yes. DART, who mm-hmm. I believe was pretty famous in other areas having to do with um, anthropological discoveries in Africa. Is. is that right? He and- is. Raymond Dart uh, is an Australian anthropologist, and he is generally best known for discovering Australopithecus, which is one of the sort of missing links in between um, early hominids and current Homo sapiens. So it was essentially sort of a half ape, half human um, that walked more upright than previous specimens. So he's pretty well known in anthropological circles for that and for his work with um, sort of classic anthropology and in particular the the sort of development of the species. And that's where his developmental movement work comes in and that's where the connection to the Alexander Technique comes in. Yes, and he he was uh, had been a student of the mm-hmm. Alexander Technique, is that right? Yes, he had. He... Um, I actually just checked uh, one of my favorite books on this so that I remembered everything. He um, originally started coming to the technique because his infant son was born premature. And so his his infant son was having lessons with Irene Tasker, and uh, he eventually started having lessons with her as well. And, and that's how he became interested in the technique. Mm-hmm. Um, the connection, sort of the other direction, didn't happen until much later, though. The, the uh, but just just to get back to his original exposure to the technique, I believe he was living in South Africa at the time. I believe that is correct. And, yes, uh, I, Irene, or I'm not sure how her name is pronounced, Irene or Irene Tasker. Yeah, I've was, heard it both ways. Was was teaching and went back to England, I guess, at the start of World War Two. Mm-hmm. And so he he was left on his own a bit in terms mm-hmm. of uh, continuing the the process and i believe it's at that point that he 
started a series of explorations that led to the DART procedures? Is that a fair statement um, of it, or is it more... Sort of. It's actually the DART procedures, as we as we talk about them, are basically a collaboration between Raymond Dart himself and my teachers, Joan and Alex Murray. Um, oh, okay. And they are, they, Joan and Alex, uh, are the directors of an Alexander Technique training course mm-hmm. in Champaign-Urbana, Illinois, yes. just so yes. we know. It's called we're... Alexander Technique Center Urbana, um, right. and that's where I, uh, or Urbana Center for the Alexander Technique, um, and that's where I certified. Mm-hmm. And uh, so Dart had written papers about sort of the postural influence in, in various um, medical issues. There's a very famous one called the postural aspect of malocclusion, um, mm-hmm. where he was, he was dealing with the position of the jaw and the relationship that that had to posture. Mm-hmm. And so Alex Murray um, was, was discussing the jaw and the balance of the jaw and the head with his teacher, Walter Carrington. Um, and Carrington recommended that he read Dart's paper. Um, and he read it, he became fascinated by it, um, and started reading pretty much everything else Dart had ever read, or Dart had ever written. And um, he got very interested in, in the connection between the work that Dart was doing and the Alexander Technique. And eventually... He and Joan went um, and met with Dart and collaborated with Dart a lot, and that's sort of where the the Dart procedures, as we know them, came out of those sorts of experiments. Um, Dart's, from what I understand, Dart's side of it was mostly theoretical. He was doing a lot of writing papers um, and discussing these things, and then when Joan and Alex started working with him, they became more of a of a concrete, you know, set of, of processes. Mm-hmm. And roughly when in time would, would those processes have been developed from what you know? Um, from what I know, I'm just flipping through this book again. Um, it was sometime between the 60s and the 80s. The Murrays met Dart for the first time, I believe, in 67. Um, so I think it was a long process that probably started around then, um, and they were they were constantly working to refine them, and and they worked with Dart um, when he was working at the Institutes for the Achievement of Human Potential in Philadelphia, which was uh, a site that worked with brain injured children um, and was sort of repatterning them, giving them the physical experiences that they had missed in their in their own developmental processes. Um, so it was a long, from what I understand, it was sort of a long developing process and it's still going on. I mean, they're still making new discoveries every day. So. Mm -hmm. I I remember I was on a training course in London in the late seventies and early eighties. And, uh, a course that was uh, an offshoot of Walter Carrington's Mm -hmm. training course. And I remember, that we did some experiments uh, in class involving crawling and creeping, those kind of movements that mm-hmm. children go through. But it, it was never, my sense was it was never presented as any sort of coherent whole. It was just something to explore. I do remember Walter talking about the importance of, of, of going through those stages 
Mm-hmm. And that if you didn't go through them as a child, it might be useful to experiment with them as an adult. Is that a, exactly? A, yeah, that's that's basically the idea. And again, it's not. I wouldn't necessarily say that it's sort of set in stone codified, but it's a sequence of movements that flow organically one to the other. And so there is there is a pattern that they sort of fit themselves into pretty naturally. So. Generally, when we talk about the DART procedures, we're talking about this sort of sequence of movements, but it's really more of a process. It's more of just tools to explore the ways that the body likes to move and the ways that are the most innate and the earliest learned mm-hmm. patterns. And could you describe that sequence in, in general terms? It, yeah, I mean, it's it's difficult to describe it without seeing it, but um, it's in essence, it deals a lot with um, curves, fetal curves, spirals. Um, you can it's a, basically a loop, so you can start it pretty much anywhere in the sequence. But um, it would, for example, start sitting on the floor in a modified version of what most people would know as child's pose or kowtow. Um, but it's it's modified in such a way that it is actually a pretty accurate reflection of what position a baby is in inside the womb. So we call that fetal. Mm -hmm. And it starts there and it turns into a series of spiraling movements that eventually roll you over and have you explore lying on your stomach, doing a lot of the movements that you would see small babies doing very naturally as they're trying to figure out how to deal with being on their stomach. Um, And then eventually coming up to hands and knees, doing some creeping and some crawling, and then eventually getting up to standing. Um, And then the loop takes you back around down to the floor and back into that fetal position. So it, again, like I said, it doesn't have to happen exactly that way, but all of those movements show up a lot. And you can pull pieces out of it and work with them individually, or you can look at sort of the whole trajectory of where it goes. Um, But it's really more of an exploration process than a specific exercise. And would it be fair to say that if you you as an adult have, for some reason, didn't go through that sequence Mm -hmm. as a small, as a baby, that there's a benefit from, from doing it that gets you something that just... Uh, if we want to call it plain old Alexander technique, self-directing and so on, is going to have trouble getting you to? or A was- little bit. I mean, it's, it's, I would say, first I want to mention that it doesn't necessarily have to be because you skipped a step. A lot of people do skip steps when they're babies, but even if you did, um, you know, do all of these movements naturally as you were learning to walk, um, the idea, as as is the case with Alexander Technique in general, is that as we've aged and, and become part of society, we lose that. Um, and we, we develop habits and, and we sort of place more things on top of it. So even somebody who, you know, would have gone through all of this as a child can definitely get a benefit from exploring them as an adult. And, and the interesting thing I've found is that generally the first few times people do it, it's actually surprisingly uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Um, not in a, ow, that hurts kind of way, but just in a, that's really weird. I'm not entirely sure where I'm supposed to be kind of way. Mm-hmm. Um, but the more you do them, the more you start to kind of realize how comfortable and how 
how your body wants to do these movements if you let it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that is definitely, I think, ties into the Alexander mindset of stripping away extra habits and getting back to the way that the body wants to move. Um, but there is also the side of the DART procedures that the Murrays have started to incorporate into the Alexander work. So in the middle of a chair turn, you'll be exploring a lot of these same ideas. Um, and that's really more what the, the connection between the two of them shows very powerfully in there. Could you elaborate on that a little? Is that mm-hmm. essentially applying Alexander directions, for example, to yourself as you go through these procedures? Or it's is it more than that? It's a little bit of that? both. Yeah. It's, um, what I would say is the, the thing that the Murray style of Alexander technique incorporates that most like straight Alexander technique would not mm-hmm. is the incorporation of curves and spirals. So mm-hmm. um, you might be sitting in the chair and I'll be giving you a chair turn and I will take you into a fetal curve. I'll have you look down and start to roll down over your knees. You'll go into this fetal curve and then I'll instruct you and direct you to come back up out of that in much the same way that a baby would when they're learning how to look up. Um, And so they incorporate a lot of these curves and spirals into the work itself, um, which I think does go a long way towards particularly helping students who might be a little bit stuck in a certain pattern uh, to get out of it. If you have someone who's sort of stuck in a primary curve or hunched forward, as as they would probably describe it, um, taking them further into that curve can actually... Get it, get it to let go a little bit so that it's then easier to bring them up out of it. Um, so there's a lot of that work. And then on the flip side of that, you can do the DART procedures with Alexander direction and with a teacher to sort of help you get through the movements. So they kind of approach it from both angles. But to my mind, it's the, the incorporation of curves and spirals into the work itself that is the most exciting. And and that example you gave of how you might work with someone sitting in a chair, mm-hmm. it sounds like you're taking part of the DART procedures as your focus at that moment. In other words, you don't have the student go through the, the complete sequence. Exactly. So and you're that's using why a mentioned. section of them. Mm-hmm. And that's why I mentioned originally at the beginning that it's not it's not like an exercise that you have to go through the whole thing all at once. You can pull pieces of it out. Um, and so you might, you know, you might be in a lesson with me and I'll, I'll decide, you know what, he's, he's tending a little bit too much towards secondary curve or an arch. I'm going to work with some fetal with him and get him going the other direction and see if that'll sort of even the student out. So, um, you know, it, it's pulling little pieces of it. And I think what's really interesting to me is the idea that this is the way our body wants to move. And these are the movements that are sort of integral to the way that movement happens, um, both on a species level and on an individual level. Um, And I think that's really what it's brought to the technique for me, is the idea that the technique is about finding the way that is the most efficient for your body to move. And the DART procedures say, well, you know, here's some ideas, here's, a, here's some things that your body does when you're not even thinking about it. Maybe those are the most efficient way to do a movement. 
Mm-hmm. I, I, I do think in general from my, my experience that Alexander Technique teachers don't always give enough uh, importance to uh, spirally type movements. There's sometimes a tendency for Alexander directions to be seen as, as, as pretty linear, right? Exactly. And that actually um, is, I think, part of what caused this collaboration to start happening in the first place was um, there was a there's a quote in this book from Dart saying that he felt the technique had become too static and that, you know, it as it was developing, it was sort of honing in on one very small aspect of the range of, of motion mm-hmm. that humans are capable of. Um, and I think as as a dancer myself and as the student of Joan Murray, who is also a dancer, um, there is that sort of aspect of it of if you can only maintain your good use when you're sitting perfectly still in a chair, uh, what good is it? You know, you have to be able to maintain it through any motion that you might want to do. And one of the really exciting things for a dancer is to take a very complicated dance move and say, all right, where are the curves? Where are the spirals? Where are these building blocks? And how do I enhance them? You know, how do I focus on the spiral in this movement to carry me through it? Um, So that's very exciting. And we can kind of, you know, extrapolate that to daily movements as well. The dance example is easier to see, I think, because it's bigger and more exaggerated. But you can see the same thing in, you know, uh, a person working in a factory who twists both directions in the thing that they're doing. That's a series of spirals. So, you know, any movement that you do, you can generally sort of break it down and identify where those curves are, where those spirals are. And I think that's a really important thing to incorporate into the Alexander work. Yeah, in in my own case, um, I, I, just in the last few years, and I've been teaching this work for over thirty years now. But just in the last few years, I've I've discovered in myself that I was not really allowing uh, the spiral po- spiralish possibilities in my torso to really mm-hmm. to really manifest themselves in, in a simple activity like walking. Exactly. And uh, I I came to that not through the DART procedures, but through a very specific physical therapy process developed by someone who's kind of outside, way outside the mainstream of physical therapy, but who um, has a very deep appreciation of the spirally nature of our bodies and... Mm-hmm. Interestingly enough, the inherent asymmetries in our body, that our torso is not at all symmetrical, mm-hmm. even though it sort of looks that way because mm-hmm. organs are placed organs on are one side places. or another. And even the the diaphragm is, is you know, our diaphragms are, um, are asymmetrical, are, mm-hmm. you know, for yeah. everything. And that, and, um, that, bringing an awareness of that and what those asymmetries tend to do and how mm-hmm. you can um because you can't really change the asymmetrical structure you're not going right, to move the but heart you can become aware of it and, and you can make some changes in how you direct yourself or mm-hmm. he, he wouldn't use that 
term, but basically how you direct yourself to, in a sense, make the best of those asymmetries uh, or in in ordinary motion. And for me, walking has been crucial, but... Well, that's that's very interesting. So, I mean, and the, of course, the fact is that most of our musculature is spirally in nature. Exactly, right? and actually, one of my favorite um, developmental movement things to talk about. It's it's not as specific to the DART procedures, but it's just sort of the developmental movement idea in general. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things that DART you used to mm-hmm. inform his procedures is the the idea of species evolution um, as well as the individual and looking at other primates and the way that they move and how they are similar and how they are different. Mm -hmm. Um, And one of my favorite aspects of that is looking at like a chimpanzee, for example, Um, swinging through the trees, they grasp the branches with their pinky finger first and they rotate their palms outward to grasp. And that that is actually, it's called brachiation, and that is actually a much stronger and more connected way to use your arm. Because if you rotate your palm out that way, it immediately connects up all of the spirals all the way through to the shoulder blades and the spine. So even just having that sense of turn your palms outward as opposed to reaching with your thumb and forefinger, which is something we've developed, um, can be really useful in just the way that you interact with yourself and your and your environment. So I'm just kind of experimenting with that as you, as you were talking. So really you're you're saying take advantage of the spiral spirally if that's the right word nature mm-hmm. of your arm and shoulder muscles, right? Exactly. And yeah. you'll find mm-hmm. if you rotate the palm outward mm-hmm. that you can reach higher without getting the top of the shoulder involved that right. you know you see a lot of people who reach for something on a high shelf and their whole shoulder girdle goes up to come with them um, and the idea is if you reach with the outside of the hand and with the palm facing outward it rotates the scapula in such a way that it keeps the shoulder released while you're reaching up so I do that a lot with students who complain of not being able to get their arms up over their head because that's a really interesting use of this quality that we have um, and this connection that we have back to you know the earlier hominids and it we can still do it we've just lost it Um, I think you know you can argue for days about why we might have lost it but you know the important thing is is to take a look back um, and, you know, there's a, a quote that Alex loves to talk about from Dart, who said that you can only look forward as far as you can look back. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's really what we're doing is we're looking back and seeing how far back can we go, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's, that's fa- I, had, I had never made that connection. That's very interesting. Um, we're, is, is, is there anything else that you would specifically <clears throat> excuse me, like to mention before we, we come to an end? Um, just one thing. I mean, I know I've been talking about this book that I'm flipping through, and I wanted to, I wanted to let the, the listeners know um, because I feel like this, this book that I have is a really great introduction to the DART procedures mm-hmm. and 
gives a very clear sense of how they connect to everything else. And it comes with a DVD, so it has a lot of images and videos, and you can really see what's going on. Um, it was written by one of my old dance teachers. It's called Dance and the Alexander Technique, Exploring the Missing Link. Um, and it's by Rebecca Nettlefiel and Luke Vanier. Mm-hmm. Um, and I use it all the time. Um, and not just for dancers, but for anyone who has started working with me on the idea of curves and spirals. So the title is Dance and the Alexander Technique, right? Mm-hmm. And the subtitle is Exploring the Missing Link. So I know that's available on Amazon. And I'm pretty sure it is, yes. I, I, it is, because I've got a link to it somewhere on my, mm-hmm. on my site. Yes, so, um, that, that's, so that book, then, is not really just for dancers. No, it's, mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's approached from a dance perspective, um, it, mm-hmm. and it does a very good job of, of dealing with both modern dance technique and ballet technique. Um, but it, the things in it can certainly be applicable to everyone. And, you know, as long as you sort of, if you're not a dancer, you kind of read through the parts that are geared for dancers and sort of see where they're going with it. Um, but definitely the, uh, the video, the DVD that goes with it is by far, I think, the most, the, the most efficient way to understand what the DART procedures are. Um, there are actually... All throughout the book, there are little symbols that say, go to the DVD and we'll show you what we're talking about. So I actually, when I read through it the first time, ended up reading it with the DVD menu open in front of me so that, you know, every three paragraphs you can click on a link and see a little 10-second video of what they've just explained. Um, so it's a real great way to, it's, the, these teachers, they teach a class about this um, in their, their college professor lives and Mm -hmm. this is this book is about as close as you can get to that class without actually taking it right they are they both teach dance at at different universities right yes exactly um okay uh this was a a fascinating conversation um if so my my guest today has been ellen strafford who's an alexander technique teacher in the phil in the pittsburgh area um, if anything that we've talked about intrigues you, uh, the book that she mentioned, Dance and the Alexander Technique, uh, is available, easily available on Amazon, or you can order it through your bookstore. And if you live in the Pittsburgh area and want to explore these ideas firsthand, uh, we'll put a link to Ellen's website by the interview and I'll also put a link to a a site that will enable you to learn more about the Alexander Technique in general and locate a teacher in your in your area. And uh, I'd also just like to mention too even if you don't live in the Pittsburgh area um, I try very hard to maintain a blog on my website so every Friday I I post my thoughts on a specific topic. So So subscribe to Ellen's blog. (laughs) Yeah, so we actually just finished uh, Developmental Movement Month. So the, the, you know, going back the past five or six blogs have all related somehow to this work. So there's a lot more information there. So it's, it's, it's possible to get a lot of information about the DART procedures and their connection with the Alexander Technique and practical ways to use them, right, mm-hmm. uh, online exactly. or with the book or video and so on. Right? Mm-hmm. And, of course, if, if you live in Pittsburgh, 
give, and you're interested, get, give Ellen a, a call. Hey, yep. thank you so much for being on the show today. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you for offering. <laughs>